theyeshiva.net. Torah Eir, Parshas Vayechi. On the top of the page it says Vayechi, Daf Mem Zayin, Column 1, or page 93. This is a maimed of the Balhatanya on Vayechi, from the year, I believe, Tovkov Samachei, which means 1805. And it begins with these words, Chachlili einayim miyayin, uleven shinayim michalov. Red-eyed from wine, and white-toothed from milk. Part of the blessings of Yaakov Avinu, our patriarch Yaakov Jacob, when he's on his deathbed, and he speaks to each one of his children, and gives them a special message and a particular blessing, when it comes to the tribe of Yehuda, Yaakov Avinu blesses that the produce, the vegetation, the farms, the fields in the territory, in the plot of Yehuda in Eretz Yisrael, will be filled with abundance. So this means that the vines will be extremely uh, prosperous and abundant, so there'll be a lot of grapes the vines will produce many, an abundant of grapes and also great quality grapes, which of course will result in extraordinary, delicious and tasteful wine. There will also be many healthy animals grazing there in the territory of Yehuda, which means there will also be a lot of milk. So Yaakov Avinu says, Chachlili einayim, red-eyed, miyayin, from drinking wine, there'll be so much wine to drink, ulevein shinayim, and white teeth, shinayim is teeth, leven shinayim, lovan is white, the teeth will be white from milk, from chalaf. That's what Yaakov blesses. So like everything in Torah, it can be understood on different levels. There's the literal interpretation. Rashi says, chachlili means red. Rashi says, loshen oidem. The word chachlili means red. We'll soon see what the Gemara in Ksuvah's Daf Kofiralov says about the word chachlili, that will be later in the Maimer. The Gemara says that chachlili is a combination of two words. Chechlili. Three words. Chechlili. Chech is the taste buds. The taste buds of a person. So he says, any, every, all the taste buds that taste this wine say, li, li. For me, for me, give me more, more, more. Li, li, chach, li, li. The literal interpretation of chach, is red. So Yaakov Avinu is saying, the eyes will be red from wine. Rashi says, you see that people who drink wine, eneim madimin, their eyes become red. And then, uleven shinayim echalov literally means, Rashi says, there'll be so much milk, because there'll be such good, uh, pasture, uh, there'll be such, uh, such good uh, fields. For the, for the animals, for the flock to graze, la edrei tsayin, for the flock, for the, for the, for the cows, for the sheep, for the goats, etc., to graze. So therefore there will be so much milk so that the teeth will become, uh, white. That's the literal interpretation. This mimer explains the deeper dimension of what Yaakov was telling Yehuda. He wasn't just talking to him about the physical wine and the physical milk. He was also presenting a, a deeper layer of, there's a deeper layer of interpretation, a, a interpretation, a deeper layer of significance in this blessing. Hine, 
Because of course you can ask the question, why does he speak about wine and milk? Speak about a lot of things. So yes, milk is a blessing, and wine is a great blessing. But why does Yaakov speak about this? About these particular blessings? And also, he could say there'll be a lot of wine, there'll be a lot of milk. He focuses on the fact how it's going to affect the eyes and how it's going to affect the teeth. You could say you should be blessed with a lot of wine, a lot of milk. It's certainly very poetic. He doesn't just say you'll have a lot of wine. The eyes will be red from wine and the teeth will be white from milk. So it's not just, yeah, there's a poetic component to it, but there's also a deep meaning why he speaks about these these particular aspects when he wants to discuss the abundance of wine and milk. It's a fascinating posik. This is in the book of Shoftim, in the book of Judges, in the Nevi'im, in the Prophets, where wine is defined, my wine, Tireshi is my wine, which brings joy to God and to men. Now we know that wine is considered a substance, a beverage, that is joyous. We use it, we drink it in times of joy, and there's a certain element of wine that rejuvenates the spirit or sometimes helps elevate people's moods. Of course, it has to be in the right proportions. We're not talking about, God forbid, the disease of alcoholism, when all there is is alcohol to run away from all your problems. But wine is a beverage that's associated with joy. But But what's the meaning? The Pasuk says that yayin brings joy to the heart of God. Hashem drinks. First of all, what does it mean to bring joy to Hashem? And how does wine have this potency to make God joyous? First of all, what does it mean? He asks two questions. What does it mean that it's Mesamech And how does it have such a kayach? What's the secret of wine? So on a literal level, Rashi brings over there in the Pasuk, and the Mitzudas, the commentators say, that we have a very interesting halach, and that is, Einaim Shira El the Levim, the Levites used to have a uh, concerto every day in the Beis HaMikdash, and they would start singing during the Nesachim, when the wine was being poured, the, the communal offerings were brought with Nesachim, which means with wine libations. The Kayan would pour wine onto the altar. This was called Nesachim, Nisuchayayin, the pouring of the wine. On Sukkot there was also the pouring of the water. But every day of the year, Shabbos, Yom Tov, during the day there was the Nesachim, the Nesachim are the wine libations. And that's when the Levim would start singing. So what do you see from here? That somehow giving God, giving the Mizbeach, the altar wine, brought out joy. It brought out a sense of music and ecstasy and passion and simcha and, and song. That's when they would start singing. So we see from here that it's Mesameach HaLakim. There's something about the wine, Kvayachal, so to speak, that brings Simcha Hashem. What does it mean? What does it even mean? And how does it have this power? The Gemara says, Wine comes in and secrets come out. You know, when people drink wine, they somehow, their defenses get a little looser, they open up a little bit, and their secrets come out. When somebody is more inebriated, they'll tell you things and they'll share things that usually they don't share with themselves or with others. And the Gemara says that the gematria, the numerical value of yayin, is... 70, Yud, Yud, Nun is 10, 10, and 50. Soid is 60, Vav, and Dalit is 70 altogether. So Yayin and Soid have the same numerical value because when wine comes in, secrets come out. What does all of this mean? So in this Maimed, the Baltanya is going to explain this on a deeper psychological, emotional, and metaphysical, spiritual level. 
we see that in Torah there are two aspects. Torah is defined as wine, Torah is defined as milk. Sometimes Torah is also defined as water. Sometimes Torah is also defined as bread. Torah is given different names, different metaphors that describe Torah. But we see one of the psukim, Yeshaya Hanavi, Perik Nun Hei, uses wine and bread as a metaphor for Torah. The Navi tells us, Yeshaya, the beginning of chapter 55, Go purchase and eat, and you don't need money. You don't have to pay a price. You can purchase yourself wine and milk. Now, whoever heard of buying wine without money? And milk without money? It costs money. There's the labor of production. It costs money. There's a... Even in the olden days, there was before there was the concept of money, which was pretty early, it was still barter. But the Navi here, the Mepharshim says, is also talking about spiritual wine and spiritual milk. You don't need money, you don't have to pay. You don't have to pay to learn here. You can come to learn in the morning. You may have some technical difficulties. You have to stick it out, but you don't have to pay. Yayin v'chalof. What's these, what are these, why is Torah compared to wine? Why is Torah compared to milk? Talking about milk. Ubiir Hadavar, the explanation is Kihina Yeshbez Avas, Avas Oilam Vavarab. There's a tale of two loves. We speak of Avas Oilam Avarab. Avas Oilam literally means eternal love or worldly love. Avarab means abundant love. And you know, every morning before Kriyashma, the second blessing that our sages instituted to say before Shema begins with the words, Ahavas. An eternal love, Hashem, have you loved us. You have loved us with an eternal love. Avas But there are other versions. In the Ashkenaz Sidurim, the text is not Avas Oilam. Avarabba. And it's really a question. In the morning we say Avas Oilam and at night. Before Kriyashma, the second blessing, do we say Avas Oilam or do we say Avarab? And there's two different versions. This is discussed in Gemara and Brachas and in Taisvis and the Rishonim there. Do we say Avas Oilam or do we say Avarab? Taisvis brings, I think it's Adafiat Beis and Brachas, that some have the custom to say in the morning Avas, to say in the morning one and in the evening another one. In other words, you choose between Avas Oilam and Avarab. Nusach Svard is Avas Oilam. Others say always Avarab. Some again interchange between the morning and the evening. But there's two types of love. There's Avarab. Rab means great, abundant, like Rav is a lot. And Avas Oilam literally means eternal love. What's the difference between these two loves? So the Balatanya says, Avas Oilam hi Ava Hagluya. Avas Oilam is an Ava, a love that is more accessible, it's more revealed. Avarab is a love that is more concealed. It's less accessible. What does it mean, less accessible, more concealed? He's going to explain. But why are we saying this? Why would we say that Avarab, which means great love, is concealed love? It's less accessible. What is the meaning of this? Why do we say Avas Oilam is more revealed and Avas Oilam is more concealed? What does concealed mean? Does concealed mean you don't know about it? Does concealed mean you can't have access to it or it's harder to have access to it? What does it mean concealed and revealed? Achine, the explanation in all of this is avas oilami, avas The word avas oilam is usually translated, what does oilam mean? Oilam means la'oilam vod, eternity. But the word oilam actually means the world, right? Melech the king of the world. Oilam is the world. 
Because of me, the world was created. Oilam is the term that we use in the holy tongue in Hebrew for the world. Oilam. Avas Oilam. So we, it's also translated as eternal, forever. Oilam. It's, it's, it's for good. It's for eternity. But the, the actual basic translation of the word Oilam is the world. So Avas Oilam means a love of the world. What does it mean, a love of the world? So it's, this is very, very meticulous and exceptionally profound. That Avas Oilam is the love of the world. Or the way the Alter Rebbe puts it, It's the love that's taken from the world. It's the love that's generated and produced from life, from the world, from our world that we inhabit. It's the passion that we generate. It's the love, it's the ecstasy we experience and it's taken from the oilam, from the world itself. Which is also why it is such a profound love of the world and of life. But there is love of the fake world and there's love of the true world. Whenever I'm in love with something, I have to ask if this love is a distraction of reality or this is love of reality. There is a love of the fake world. In other words, I substitute real reality with fake reality because I have a void. All types of addictions and cravings where I become attached to something that may be unhealthy and unproductive, I may call it a love of life and a love of the world, but it's really running away from life in the world. It's I hate the world and I hate life and therefore I have to fill myself with other stuff that are pustun vis, that are empty and destructive or meaningless or insignificant. Avas oilam is the love of the real world, the love of life, the real celebration of life. It's the love to Hashem that's taken from the world, as he's going to explain. The hainu machmas is bainanus, when a person becomes truly aware. The word his bainanus is used very often in the works of the Balatanya, and it means, it comes from the word bina, like we say in the morning, we say, Bili bainu bina lahavin lahaskil. His bainanus is the ability to be maven, the ability to, to meditate, to be mindful, to contemplate to internalize, to become aware of something in a very real way. As a result of the meditation, and this is a meditation, it takes time to internalize this. The awareness that Hashem renews every day the creation. We say this again in the morning, right before Avas Eilam. It's interesting. He brings this, this statement of davening. Where do we say it? We say it at the end of the bracha Yotzer Amoris, which was the first blessing before Shema. It finishes Hamachadish betuvoi bechal yoyim tamid masaberishes kaamor laoyse oyrim gedolim kiloylam chazda baruch atashem Yotzer Amoris. I did the nusach of the Balatanya. I know many texts add oyr chadash al tzion tayir veniska kolano b'meir laoyre. We ask to be able to see the light of. Zion, the new light going, going on sea. And the Alter Rebbe took that out from his Nusach HaTfila, and the reason he explains is because, it's already discussed, it's discussed in Paiskim if it should be there or not, but in his Nusach he took it out based on the Nusach HaRizal, because he said we are focused here on the light of creation. Right? Baruch HaTashem Yoytzer HaMa'oyrois, Yoytzer Oyver so we're focused on the light of the past. This is not the bracha focused on the light of the future. In any case, over there we say that Hashem renews every day the work of creation. When a person could really be aware of this, and it's not so easy because we become um, entangled and bogged down by the stresses and the disappointments and the frustrations of life, 
So I don't even have the mental space and the energy to tune into the miracle of creation because I am so uh, entangled and enmeshed and entrenched in my worries and my anxiety and my stress. So let's say something disappointing happened yesterday or happened this morning or happened last night, whatever it is, or happened last week. So very often I'm just living there. I'm living in that space, you know, recycling it in my mind, rehashing it again and again and again. And I can't extricate myself from it. So how can I be open to the miracle of creation right now? There's no right now. There's just yesterday or two days ago or a week ago. And sometimes it's 30 years ago. And that's where I'm still stuck. So I'm stuck in this repetitive cycle, in this orbit that doesn't allow me to emancipate myself and really be present and open to the world right now, to life right now. How do we do this? It's not so easy. Some people, maybe it comes more natural, but it's, it's it, sometimes it takes very, very serious avoider because there may be really something disappointing. And nonetheless, even if there's something disappointing, the way of dealing with it is asking myself, what is my mission right now? To fix it, to make sure it doesn't happen again in the future. Rather than, and this is important, my dear friends, the disappointment of yesterday triggering old stories about myself that put me into a state of paralysis and don't allow me to live in the now. I hope you understood what I said. If not, you could rewind the shir and listen to it again. So this is the concept of And Hashem creates the world every single day from nothing to something. And this comes from His Malchus, from His characteristic, so to speak, called Hashem's Malchus, Hashem's leadership, Hashem's kingship, Hashem's love, Hashem's desire for a relationship. We say, Ein melech balayam, Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says, it says in Svarim, there's no king without subjects, meaning leadership requires a relationship. It's like a marriage. You need to have somebody else in your life. So this is, the whole world comes from Malchus. So every day, says the Alter Rebbe says it, that every day Hashem creates the whole world once again from nothing to something. Every day creation is something new. And as the Baal Shem Tev said, it's not just every day, it's every single moment. Every day we feel it in a tangible way. As dawn breaks and the sun rises, you have that experience of freshness, a new beginning, anayetog, a new day. I told you once the story about anayetog. And that's the reason really why Hashem created the concept of sleep. Why do we need so much sleep? So you say, well, our body needs our eight hours or seven hours, whatever you get. But the truth is, why did Hashem create a body that it needs so much sleep? In order to be able to survive and replenish its energy and maintain its health, Be'ezer Hashem. The answer is to be able to experience His chachos in life. To be able to experience newness in life. To be able to wake up in the morning and say, it's a new day. A new day doesn't mean I forgot everything that happened yesterday and everything that happened five years ago. A new day means, however, I don't allow the past to define the present. I don't live in the past Creation is happening right now. There's something right now. Can I be, can I be open to the opportunities and the miracles of this present moment rather than rehashing an old narrative and remaining paralyzed in that narrative and by, and by that narrative? The Pasuk says, we say it in Ashrei every day, a few times a day, which means your Malchus, your Malchus means literally your kingship, is the kingship of all the worlds. Which basically means that we're saying, it's your Malchus 
that pervades all the worlds. You have a Melech, a king, who is in control over his zip code, his country, his state, his city, his neighborhood, his area, himself, and sometimes the bigger the king, the less control over himself. Malchuscha malchus kal Your malchus, Hashem, extends to all the worlds. In other words, all of reality is an expression. All, all the worlds, all the universes, and all the worlds within a person, and all the worlds within a community of people, because everybody has their world. You have your world, your spouse has her world or his world, your children, everyone is in their world. We live in the same planet, but we all live in our world. Your malchus is the malchus that pervades and extends through all the worlds. There's a divine consciousness that pervades everything. All of reality is from your malchus. All of reality. All the universes, meaning all the states of reality, the highest to the lowest, all live and endure and receive their vitality and animation. They are vivified from Hashem's Malchus. You fill all the worlds. And you encompass all the worlds. Va'ata mechayes kulam. Again, we say this in davening in the morning. Va'yevarech David before Yishtabach, before Az Yasher, from Divrei Yamin. Va'ata mechayes kulam. And you give chius, you give life, you vivify as kulam everything. That's the hisbeinen is the meditation of avas olam. It's a love of the world, a love of life that comes from the recognition that va'ata mechayes kulam. You give life. To all. Everything is alive because of your energy. It is divine energy. My heartbeat. Every breath I take. Every move I make. Every item, every aspect, every nuance, every detail of life. From the biggest to the smallest. Like he says, all the worlds. And all the words, all the worlds mean all the states of reality. Any state of reality you're in. Sometimes the many worlds are in me. As I said, you could be in many worlds. In one day, you're in many worlds. You're in this world. You're in that world. You're in this state of consciousness. A world is not just a physical planet. We have our planet. We have other planets. That's also a world. But a world means states of reality, states of consciousness. So within one, one mind, you can, you can have many worlds. Sometimes I inhabit 10 worlds in a day. Some people inhabit 10 worlds in a moment, which is not exciting or very, or too exciting. So, all the states of reality, what's their truth? The truth is that it's all being vivified, created, animated, and coming into existence right now by Hashem Himself. That's the truth of it. Can I tune into that reality? Can I love the world in that sense? Because that love of the world is really the love of Hashem. You love life. You say, I love the world. What do you love about the world? What do you love about the world? You love about the world because every moment of life is pulsating with the divine. There's something very much alive about the world. I think I shared once with you that Helen Keller, I read this once, that Helen Keller once met somebody who came to her and this person said that they took a walk through the woods. They took a hike through the woods. So Helen Keller asked them what they saw and what they heard. She could do neither. And they said nothing. There was nothing uh, nothing special that they heard or saw. And she writes about this, and she startled me. She said, how could somebody walk through the woods and come back to me and say, I heard nothing and I saw nothing? The only thing 
that's worse than not having eyesight, she writes, is lacking vision. So Avas Oilam is the love of the world. But which world? The love of the real world. The love of the essence of the world. And that's the first basic level of love of God. It's the love of Hashem that's taken from the world, from the experience of life, from appreciating the essence of the experience of life. But for this I have to move away the debris. I have to get out, I have to get the debris, the gravel, the distractions out of my brain so I could really be in touch with life itself. And our brain often doesn't allow us to go there. Our brain takes us to places where we're going to get stuck and paralyzed by past experiences, by past impressions, by past versions of ourselves, which are really all telling us that we're living in an old, stale world and nothing can change, and that's where we exist. And this is the first level of his is to open yourself up to the, the real version of reality. You give life to everybody and everything. There's a story that the Balatanya had a chassid. His name was Rabbi Kusia Liepler. And Rabbi Kusia Liepler was a, uh, a very, very uh, sensitive and perceptive Jew. And he comes into his Rebbe the Balatanya and he says, Rebbe, Hakmirarab the Linkazite. Which means, how do I say this in English? Chop off my left side. <laughs> Amputate my left side. You know what he meant? The left side, the Kaihelis tells us the left side is Velev, Lev Chacham Liyaminoi, Velev Ksil Lismoilai. Right? The heart of the wise man is on the right. And the heart of the fool is on the left. So like the Sahara is considered the one on the left side. This is discussed, the heart, right, right ventricle of the heart, left ventricle of the heart. So he says, Hakmerat up the Linkazite. Chop off. Let me get rid of my left side. In other words, he's asking the Altarebbe, destroy my Sahara. Destroy it. Amputate it. I don't want it anymore. A request of a chassid. Those of you who follow the classes, the daily lesson in Tanya, and it's, it would be very worthwhile to follow the daily lesson in Tanya. There's the Shurim of Tanya, the way they were divided for the year, so you finish the Tanya in a year. Every year you learn through the whole Tanya. So now, we just finished learning chapter 9. Now it's in the middle of chapter 10, chapter 11, uh, the end of chapter 10, 11. But chapter 9, the Alter Rebbe discusses the two sides of the heart. So he says, amputate the left side. So what does the Alter Rebbe say? The Alter Rebbe goes into a dvekas, which means he goes into a spiritual meditative state, what some people would call a trance, but a dvekas is not really trance. Dvekas is he goes into a very deep state of connection. For a few minutes, he doesn't say something. He doesn't say anything. And then the Balatanya comes out of the dvekas, so to speak. He doesn't come out of the dvekas, but he comes down to a lower plane, and he looks this chassid in the eyes, and he used to speak with a nigan, with a melody. So he says, Va'ata mechayes kulam. The Pasik says that you give life to all. Zai em oich mechaye. Bring life to your left side. Don't amputate it. Bring life to it. Zai em oich mechaye. Va'ata mechayes kulam ksiv. Zai em oich mechaye. Rebkusir Lepler wanted Alter Rebbe to chop out, to, to, to uh, amputate to extricate from him his left side. He says, no, 
kulam. Hashem gives chiyus to everything. Zayim oich mechaya. So you bring chiyus to him also. Or in other words, reveal to your left side what its real energy is about. You don't just cut it out. Cutting it out is not how it works. Hashem gives chiyus to everything. You have to reveal what its true energy is, what it's looking for, what its true essence is, what its true yearnings for. That's much deeper. Listen, if you can get rid of it and you become a malach, wonderful, so you'll be a malach. But the greatness of the person is that you could be megala, you could reveal a lakus over there. Malchus chamalchus That's what he says here, So he was giving him a seder avoida, that when you're dealing with the various components of your personality, you don't have to run away from anything. You have to not get stuck in the externalities and the shallowness. You have to be able to reveal the chiyus, you have to be able to reveal the divine energy, which is the heartbeat of creation. It's the heartbeat that vivifies all aspects of your existence every single moment. That's the beginning, the beginning. We're soon going to get to a deeper place. It's the beginning of avas oilam. It's a love to Hashem that comes from the world, from reality, from discovering the God of reality. It's the ultimate self-love in a healthy way. It's the ultimate love of the world in a healthy way. It's loving the self, the true self, the kulam. It's being in love with life, being in love with the world, because you're connected to the miracle of creation and your own creation every single moment. And it's a very deep place of serenity and tranquility and celebration. My dearest friends, we'll take a break here. This shear will resume Wednesday morning. We'll continue Wednesday morning, 7.30 a.m. In the meantime, I send you my love and blessings. Ahavas oilam, ahavtanu Hashem alakeinu, and a beautiful day. Over here, there's a lot of love. I'm looking at Reb Aaron. Look how much love there is in his eyes. What are you talking about? You're hanging out with the wrong people. <laughs> you got to hang out with the right people. <laughs> There's a lot of love in the world. You have to hang out in the right places with the right people. And you have to hang out with the right part of yourself. There's a lot of love, but you have to find the love inside yourself. You're the source of love. No love in the world when 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 you're suffering, putting it down. You're the source of love. You're the source of love. You're the source of love. Anyway, I love you and I send you all my love. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.